It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. There was plenty of recruiting happenings taking place over the weekend with Miami opening spring football and having a junior day in conjunction with that. And also, Gabby and I went up to the Orlando area to check out the Under Armour camp, uh, which featured a lot of players from kind of Tampa, Orlando, and North. Um, were some South Florida guys there, but uh, it's good to get eyes on uh, some some of the top players that are necessarily out of the local area uh, from a Miami perspective. So uh, lots to get to here in this podcast. We'll, we'll keep it primarily recruiting-centric here in this podcast. Um, And before we jump into things, let's get a quick word in here from our sponsors. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text STAR directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to STAR, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. All right. Appreciate our sponsors as always. Their support means so much to us. Uh, Gabby, we're, we're primarily going to talk recruiting, 
here in this podcast, but I do think it's important to touch on one of the newsworthy developments that happened um, since our last full podcast. Um, and that is Miami was able to promote Jason Taylor to defensive line coach. Uh, it's our understanding he is going to be running things on the defensive line. Uh, Joe Salavea is still one of Miami's 10 on-field assistants and is also still a defensive line coach. But that group is going to be led by Jason Taylor with Joe Salavea assisting. Um, I know I'll, I'll just say this. I mean, obviously, this is a huge deal for Miami. This is this is about as um, positive as it could have played out for Miami. I think Jason Taylor is a star. Uh, I think it's a matter of time, but if he wants, right, if he wants to stick with this, uh, because he can definitely do anything in life. Uh, but if he wants to stick with this coaching thing, I think it's a matter of time before he's a defensive coordinator at some level. And I think if he sticks with it uh, past that point, I think it's a matter of time before he's a head coach at some level. So this is a tremendous, tremendous hire for Miami for this 2023 season. I will say one thing I've learned, I guess, from this scenario specifically is it does show how you can never really assume anything in the coaching industry. I'll admit I assumed that because Jason Taylor interviewed with the Miami Dolphins uh, to be, I believe, their outside linebackers coach in that defensive system. Um, and again, as I mentioned, Taylor is a rising star in the coaching industry. I assumed that the Miami Dolphins would jump at that opportunity to hire him. That was not the case. Uh, and Miami was able to benefit from that misstep by the Dolphins. So Dolphins loss is Miami Hurricanes gain. And uh, I think it's going to pay off big time, both on the field for Miami, of course, and on the recruiting trail. Because, you know, I think you can go into this some, Gabby, but I think uh, it's fair to say, at least in my experiences, a lot of the former NFL guys, whether that's NFL coaches or NFL players that have to recruit at the college level, that's a tough thing for them to do because of, I don't even know if ego is the right way to put it, but just look, they're guys that have accomplished things at the highest level, and now they have to sweet talk 16, 17, 18-year-old young men, and that can be draining, I think, to people that have done this at the highest level. Jason Taylor, judging from what he participated in as a analyst last year, he embraces that recruiting process. He kind of jumps in with both feet and I think does a really nice job of relating to these young men. So I think it's going to pay off in that regard as well. I, I definitely uh, on board. I mean, just assume the Dolphins again would would just hand them that outside linebackers coach job again. I, and th that didn't happen. And again, I think that's I, that's huge for Miami. Uh, I think Jason Taylor is, you know, same same way as you. I think he's just an absolute rock star. Uh, and again, I, I, I also, you know, believe that this is just the beginning of his coaching career for as long as as he wants to do it. And 
I mean, I, I again, I mean, I really love this hire for just a number of reasons. Uh, I think Jason Taylor, you know, his resume, I think is extremely easy to sell on recruits. Uh, you know, obviously some of these guys were really young when Jason Taylor was kind of wrapping up, up his career, but, uh, you know, a lot of these guys also study the game and, uh, you know, Jason Taylor's film is not hard to, to find. So I think if they get pointed in that direction, it'll be, you know, extremely enticing to play under a guy like Jason Taylor. And of course, knowing that he has a gold jacket and, uh, you know, a mold up in, up in Canton, uh, you know, I think that's a, I think that's something that, again, I think it sort of just speaks for itself. And I, I do think he embraces this recruiting stuff. And, if, and I think that's where Miami is as a program right now. Uh, you know, again, in that talent acquisition phase where they need to just go out and get a bunch of elite dudes. I think the timing was great, David. We're going to talk about some of the kids that were down this week and later on uh, in the show. And, you know, again, I think Jason Taylor was, was a hit, you know, with these guys, uh, you know, kind of coming in and, you know, getting to interact with him, all that stuff. And again, and he is fully bought in. And you mentioned that it can be at time, uh, you know, you know, difficult for some of these dudes who have kind of been told that they're the man, their whole careers had great NFL careers. And then you have to go to these unproven 16, 17 year olds. And again, you know, sweet talk them, try to get them into your program. But again, I think Jason Taylor embraces the process. Uh, I do think he's kind of in it for the long term in terms of just wanting to coach, wanting to do this. Uh, you know, would he have maybe taken an opportunity in the NFL? I mean, I do think he he might have taken that leap if, you know, that Dolphins job was offered him. But, uh, you know, like you said, uh, that didn't happen. Mario Cristobal took advantage, was able to lock him up. And I think that this is, pro I mean, I don't know. I think this is uh, maybe one of the most noteworthy hires, uh, you know, that Miami's made in some time. And yes. again, I think it's something that, uh, you know, it's definitely going to benefit the program uh, from a recruiting standpoint, from a developmental standpoint at the position, uh, all those things. And uh, again, I think Jason Taylor is a, you know, one of the, one of the absolute best and, you know, definitely excited to have him in, in a, in a, in one of those roles, he's going to be someone that's going to be able to go on the road and recruit. And again, I think if, I think him taking this uh, full-time assistant job, uh, you know, means that he's kind of all in on this. Cause uh, you know, it's probably going to yeah. come with him having to, you know, walk away from some of the other things that he does. Like, you know, I know he does some broadcast stuff for the dolphins. Uh, it seems like it's just going to be about the hurricane. So I think that's really, really exciting when someone like Jason Taylor uh, is, you know, a hundred percent, you know, tunnel vision on one thing. I think he can accomplish, you know, great, great things. So, uh, really, really pumped about that. And I know it's going to have a, a really, you know, strong impact on the trail. Yeah. I think pound for pound, this is probably the best hire Miami's made this off season. Attention business owners. I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. erclawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. All right, let's jump into the junior days. Uh, Gabby, I asked you before we started recording, I said, give me five guys because a ton of guys visited. I don't so know. So many. Yeah. A, a hundred guys visited. Yeah. 
probably 20 to 30 big timers visited, maybe even more than that. Um, So I just wanted to simplify things, break it down. And I said, Gabby, give us five guys that the fans should know about that, you know, visited UM this weekend. So take this wherever you want to take it. One at a time. Let's have a dialogue. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go one at a time. I mean, let's start with uh, again a, a position I think is of great need uh, that I've expressed is a great need on this podcast and and on the site, David. That's a you know defensive tackle, the, that interior defensive line. Uh, I think Miami got one of the absolute best in the country in uh, Aiden Breland, uh, six foot five, two hundred and ninety pounder. Uh, out of Matter Day, and uh, you know that's that powerhouse program in Southern California. Breland's the number ten ranked defensive lineman in the country, uh, according to twenty four seven Sports, a top one hundred talent. And uh, David just uh, you know sizing him up. I'm not sure if you were able to get eyes on him. Uh, looks just you know looks like a total dude. Uh, looks the way that you want one of those interior defensive linemen to look. And uh, you know these guys spent a lot of time on campus Saturday. Uh, rushed the court with the Miami fans on Saturday night as they, you know, clinched uh, the regular, cool. yeah, they clinched the regular season ACC championship. Uh, you know, they're on the hardwood. Uh, that was a big game and a big part of the junior day that ended up lining up, you know, pretty perfectly with an opportunity for, you know, UM hoops to accomplish something great. And, uh, you know, these guys were on hand for that. Uh, then, you know, went back Sunday, spent a few hours on campus before flying back out to the West Coast. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that, Aiden Breland, uh, you know, is one of these priority interior defensive line targets. I got to talk to him uh, Sunday morning before the second portion of that visit. Uh, and he told me Mario Cristobal was the first uh, coach to offer him while he was at Oregon. A- Aiden Breland was in the eighth grade. It might have been a camp at Oregon uh, the way that he, that he made it sound. So, uh, you okay. know, he has a lot of respect for Mario Cristobal, for Joe Salavea, for kind of rolling the dice on him early. He was talking about how, uh, you know, he it was, you know, how Mario Cristobal told him that it's been so, you know, fun to watch him, you know, physically mature. And I think that was a something that might have hit him and be like, wow, you know, this guy really has been, you know, a part of my recruitment, a part of my process, a part of my really growth from the beginning. And I think the fact that Miami's done such a good job developing uh, a relationship with him and especially Mario Cristobal and Joe Salavea, it was important for him to get down here. So I do expect Miami to be a player in this recruitment long term. And again, uh, this is someone that they've had circled. Uh, at or near the top of that interior defensive line board for some time. And again, I think it was a huge, huge deal that they were able to get him down. Yeah, I'll admit I, I didn't notice him on Saturday um, at UM, but I, you know, watched his highlight, him being a, a guy from Southern California, just to familiarize with him as a player. And it, he's definitely looks like a top 50 guy in the country on tape. Uh, quickness at his size and his length. Looks freaky on his highlight. One of those block shedding line of scrimmage monsters that can wreck a game. The thing that makes him uh, special to me on his highlight is his closing speed for how big he is. Uh, whether he's chasing down running backs or quarterbacks uh, as a pass rusher. I even think on tape now, I mean, I don't think this is ideal, but I think for how big he is, 6'5", 6'6", 290, I think he might even be able to play some defensive end in college. Uh, I think ideally he's a defensive tackle, but I think he's uh, athletic enough to be an edge setting defensive end. Uh, You know, I guess the point is he's a guy that can be a multiple front type of defensive lineman. You can move him around. So uh, 
freak, freak, freak prospect. And obviously a big deal. Get him on campus from all the way across the country. That speaks to the fact that Miami's definitely in this one uh, in terms of a high profile recruitment. Who yeah. else should the fans know about? Yeah. Last thing on Breland. Uh, I mean, let's just kind of going back to last cycle. Uh, remember, it was a similar. I'm not saying obviously it's going to play out the same, but remember, I mean, it was a similar kind of conversation about Jaden Wayne and, Ma- and Mario Cristobal being the first one to offer him yeah. and how that relationship played off long, played out long term. So again, just something uh, you know to kind of keep in the back of our minds as we go through this recruiting process. And Aiden Breland, uh, I'm going to keep it in Southern Cal because I think that group was uh, really, really strong. We'll probably highlight one more from the area, you know, during this segment, uh, I'm, I'm going to roll with Brandon Baker, same high school matter day. Uh, someone that Aiden Breland probably goes up against in practice every single day. Uh, consensus number one offensive tackle in the country, both by 24 seven sports and the composite, uh, 24 seven sports has him as the number 20 overall player, number two player in California, six foot five, 285 pounder, uh, I do, again, uh, this is another situation where Miami's kind of been in the mix. Mario Cristobal and these guys uh, recruited him at Oregon, coached his older brother, Gary Baker. I believe he was on the visit uh, with Brandon Baker as well. And uh, I, I really do think that this was one of the visits, that uh, a visit where Miami moved the needle. Uh, again, I do, you know, when these guys kind of come from, you know, far away, kind of come down, uh, see it for themselves. Uh, you know, he was extremely impressed about, you know, with really how hands-on Mario Cristobal was with that offensive line. He was talking about how there's, you know, three or four hands-on offensive line coaches. And, you know, we know that to be the case with Mario Cristobal, who's very involved. Alex Mirabal, who's obviously the offensive line coach. Ed Pata, who's, again, very hands-on. And then Reggie Bain, who's a, you know, graduate assistant, who, again, is very, you know, involved in the recruiting process and, uh, you know, the, the developmental part of it. Sat in on a me- on a offensive line meeting before that first spring practice on Saturday, uh, you know, got to, you know, watch the way that they prepared for that and then watching it translate. And again, just how focused everyone was uh, on that offensive line, I think was really something he, that, uh, you know, maybe an eye opener uh, for, for Brandon Baker. And, uh, you know, I, I would I would expect him to eventually get back to back down to Miami again. He's another one who, you know, stormed the court, all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, went back on Sunday to wrap up that visit. I mean, he tweeted out, I think, a couple times about how great of a time that he was having down here in Coral Gable. So I do think Brandon Baker, uh, again, I think that's one that, uh, you know, this staff could zero, zero, zero in on nationally. And I think when they do that, uh, you know, they always got a shot, especially on that offensive line. And, uh, you know, he noticed uh, Samson, Akinlola, Francis Malago getting uh, plenty of work out there as true freshmen. And I think, uh, you know, he knows he can come in and, and contribute and, you know, get a chance to play. Yeah, I like him. Uh... You know, from from a watching his highlight again uh, with him being a Southern Cal guy, uh, the thing that stands out is he definitely loves to pin and pull and bury people in the run game. I kind of view him as a right tackle slash probably ideally, like if we're projecting to professional football, uh, like an athletic guard. Uh, but I think he's a big time prospect on the offensive line. And I think he's a guy that's continuing to get better and better, better year over year over year. So um, he's an exciting prospect too. Um, And I'm sure obviously Miami's probably selling the chance for those two guys to come to the same school together. Uh, You know, having to make that cross country trip to go to school helps when you know 
potentially your roommate, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I think those two are an intriguing combo for the Miami fans to know about here this cycle. Who else you want to highlight? Number three. Yeah, we're going to keep it on the offensive line, uh, but we're going to head up to the northeast uh, to Paramus Catholic uh, offensive lineman Juan Manaya, six foot six, three hundred and fifteen pounder, currently unranked uh, in the composite and by twenty four seven Sports. Uh, I would expect that to change relatively soon. I mean, he is he's a mammoth of a human being. I mean, not pushing back on that six six or that three fifteen. Uh, you know, talking to him after. Uh, you know, watching practice on Saturday, he told me Miami's doing the best job of recruiting him. I mean, this is a guy whose name I've kind of heard win this 2024 offensive line class for probably about a year now. And again, uh, you know, doesn't his offer sheet doesn't, you know, pop off the page. He doesn't have all like these massive, massive schools on him. But uh, I think this is someone that Alex Mirabal, Mario Cristobal, uh, Ed Pata, and those guys identified pretty early on in the process. And they've done a really, really good job of recruiting him. I think Florida's kind of catching on. It sounds like he's going to get to Florida later on this month, but uh you know, right now if I was a uh, you know, if I had if I was just lobbing, you know, an early crystal ball pick, I think uh Miami would be would probably be the favorite for Juan Manaya and again, uh, I think they want to stack some of these big bodies and Juan Manaya definitely looks the part of uh of what Mario Cristobal and these guys are looking for. So, uh I I I'm, you know, pretty excited about him. I know they're pretty excited about him as well. So uh, that's another one I wanted to highlight. My take on his tape, um, he kind of reminds me of, like, from a highlight perspective, he reminds me of Frankie Tenelau, just being kind of a big, physical, nasty offensive lineman that cares about football. And you bet on those guys because eventually they're going to figure it out. You know, they might not at this stage, might not be the most impressive from, like, a athleticism standpoint. Um, but they care about the game and they're big. Can't teach that size. Would you push back on that comp? My bad. I, I muted myself. Uh, no, I, I think that's, uh, again, I, they, I feel like they're even similar in size. Like I feel like looking at Frankie and looking at a guy like Juan, maybe Juan's maybe a little bit like maybe thicker or just like, okay. or something like that. But, uh, you know, I do think that, uh, I mean, I think that's a, a fair, you know, kind of, you know, just like just if, we're, if we're looking exactly, you know, I, he's not someone that's going to walk into Miami and steal a starting job right away. But I think he's a guy, you know, year two, I mean, year two, maybe year three in the program. Uh, he's someone that I can definitely see making an impact. And I think they feel pretty similar. All right. Number four guy, who would you highlight? Yeah, let's go. Let's go to the tight end position again. Kind of going back out west. Uh, uh, this this staff is going to recruit nationally. They're looking for guys all over the all over the country, and I guess you Good. know, really all. I mean, really all over the place. Um, out of Orem, Utah, tight ends Roger Saleh Paga. He's a an eighty nine, so on the cusp of four star status. Six foot four, hundred and ninety five pounds. Definitely lean. Uh, doesn't necessarily, if you see him walking around the facility, you'd probably assume, oh, that's a tall, that's a big wide receiver or something like that. And he's probably, you know, he probably should be considered a pass catching tight end. He's not a guy you're going to throw in line and expect to block for you. But, uh, I think they're really excited about his ball skills, David. I'm sure if you popped on the tape, I'm sure you saw him like hurdle a guy on the sidelines, yeah. you know, he's a, they think he's a big, big time athlete and they think that he could, he, that he has plenty of room. Uh, to fill out and again this is someone that they identified offered in February and have kind of gone full you know kind of all in on uh 
you know, not saying he is the guy at tight end, but, you know, kind of talking around, it seems like he's in that core group of tight end that they would like to kind of go after this cycle. Um, and again, I mean, again, just talking to him, it seems like that the, these guys have done a really good job of kind of being, you know, just all in on him, just really good, just going in, uh, doing a good job, steady communicating. And that's how an offer led to a visit so quickly. Uh, it seems like there's a connection to Joe Salavea in some way. I heard them. I don't know if they're messing around or not, but just kind of being around, uh, you know, on that Saturday, they were talking about how Joe Salavea was like the dad's cousin. And maybe it was just, they were close, they were friends. They, they knew each other, um, right. probably similar backgrounds. Uh, but again, there is, you know, some sort of uh family connection there. I believe uh, Joe Salavea's family was hanging out or was hanging out with his parents and stuff like that. So again, I, I know that, uh, you know, there is an end there for Miami. And again, I think, uh, you know, as a pass catching tight end and someone, you you know, again, you maybe stash for a year, build them up. Uh, I definitely think he has some really, really promising traits. And again, someone they're pretty excited about. How does his frame compare to obviously not as long? But like just from a uh, being thin standpoint, how does it compare to Jaleel Skinner a couple of years ago? Yeah, I, of course. Like we said, Jaleel Skinner was definitely longer. Um, but, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I, I think they have maybe similar starting points in terms of just being a little thinner. I honestly think, um, I mean, Jaleel Skinner had that basketball background and all that stuff. I'm not sure if, if uh, Sali Paga has that. But uh, again, just just kind of popping on the tape, I feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, Roger Salapaga may be further along as a pass catcher, as a natural better pass catcher. Skills. Yeah, I think he has yeah. better ball skills than uh, maybe Jaleel Skinner was at the same stage of the process. And, uh, you know, Jaleel Skinner, I, I think you look at you looked at him as a raw prospect and it was easy to see why, you know, people were willing to roll the dice on him as one of the top tight ends in the country. Um, I feel like, you know, this kid could have a, you know, I think he has similar, you know, again, balls, I mean, just the ball skills and all that stuff, I think maybe more advanced, but I don't think he's maybe as physically advanced as, uh, you know, Jaleel Skinner ones in terms of like traits and projecting forward and all that. Yeah, Salapaga is a contested catch monster. His highlight yeah. is fun. Super uh, fun. I would expect, you know, look, these rankings were early in the process. It's all very fluid. I would expect he'll rise up the rankings when, when the evaluation process really gets rolling here, um, you know, by the end of the summer on tape, he's a big time tight ends prospect. All right. And the last guy you want to highlight uh, that visited over the weekend, who would you go with? Yeah. I'm going to keep, you know, stay, let's stay on the West coast, man. West coast Canes uh, linebacker Kingston Asa uh, out of St. John Bosco. Uh, one of the, I mean, I think in 2022 was the best number one, or well, the number one ranked high school program in the country. Uh, I think, you know, Kingston just literally just checks all the boxes on what, you know, what Miami's looking for in a linebacker, six foot three, 230 pounds, uh, you know, again, top 10 ranked player at his position, a consensus, consensus top 100 prospect, uh, you know, just again, see him. I'm like, I don't know if you got, you were able to get eyes on him, David. Him. He yeah, looks, impressive. I mean, I think he looks really pretty uh, for what a linebacker looks like. It sounds like uh, Derek Nicholson has a really good relationship with him. Miami's new linebackers coach. And if, uh, you know, if for those that follow recruiting, uh, you know that a lot of St. John Bosco kids actually landed at Louisville. So, uh, you know, that is a connection with that school. Uh, you know, again, that Nicholson would have that type of relationship. And it seems like, uh, Kingston is one of those guys that, you know, the program is all in on. This was someone that the program was all in on when Charlie Strong was here. I think it's a natural transition with Derek Nicholson already having that relationship. And, uh, you know, again, I do think Miami's one of the players here in this recruitment. I mean, you always have to worry about, you know, the Oregons 
Uh, he wants to go see Washington, who had a you know really good uh, 2022 season. He wants to go see Texas, Notre Dame, those types. So uh, Miami's going to have plenty of national competition there. But uh, again, I do think that this visit is one of those that you know maybe moves the needle a little a little bit in Miami's way. And uh, I, I do like that you know again it, from Charlie Strong to Derek Nicholson is a pretty seamless transition, if not you know a yeah. positive transition uh, relationally. So uh, you know I, I'm. I, I really like Kingston Asa, uh, you know, and I, I do think that uh, getting him back down on campus uh, was a really big deal. Yeah, just big physical middle linebacker plays with instincts on tape. You know, he's he's athletic, so don't get me wrong, but he won't necessarily blow you away with his athleticism on tape. Uh, but he is he's a man amongst boys from a body type perspective at the high school level. And he's in the right spots at the right time. And, you know, you're going to feel his presence uh, in run support with the way he tackles and runs to the ball, which Miami needs to improve at the linebacker level here uh, through talent acquisition. So uh, before we take a break, Gabby, just big picture thoughts on the weekend. Do you think it was a successful recruiting weekend for Miami with the guys that showed up and the impression that Miami as a program made on those young men. I definitely would, would consider it a success. Again, we, we highlighted five guys, but uh, like you said, David, there, there were maybe, you know, 15 to 20 uh, guys that they would consider, you know, let, let, let's say priority targets or guys that, you know, they're, they're really seriously evaluating and, you know, would potentially take in this class. So yeah, you know, overall, I do think it, it was a really good group. It was pretty light. Uh, maybe locally, because I think that, of course, a lot of those guys can kind of come in at any time, right? Whenever yeah. they feel like popping in, they can do it. But I think they did a good job of getting, uh, you know, some notable national targets. Again, I think that Southern California group's really big. T.A. Cunningham is another top 247 defensive lineman that was with them. They had a top 50 overall uh, quarterback in the 2025 class who was offered by Miami in that group as well. And then, again, a bunch of other dudes, especially on the offensive and defensive line that they really liked. Uh, you know, I feel like it, it was a big weekend, just kind of, again, checking in with some people around. I think everyone feels like it was a nice weekend where they, you know, were maybe even able to answer some questions that they had about guys physically and, you right. know, being able to take height and weight, uh, you know, eye test, all that stuff. Yep. It seems like a lot of guys that, uh, you know, maybe they really wanted to see or maybe had some question marks about, uh, you know, they left feeling uh, pretty good about. So I think that's a, I think that's always a, a good opportunity for, you know, these college staffers because uh, that is so important for them. All right, let's take a quick break. And then on the other side, we will discuss some of our takes on the performance at the Under Armour Orlando camp and the recruiting buzz coming out of that camp as well. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, Gabby, we were up in Orlando on Sunday. Um, I got some sun from the event. Looks like oh, you did too. I definitely a little bit. did too. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think just for this, you know, in terms of the performance side of the camp, let's just have a discussion on five guys that we thought were the most impressive. Probably about, I don't know, 200 guys participated. Oh, yeah. 200 to 250. Um, some guys were missing that we were hoping to see, um, but still a solid camp. And it's always good to learn about, uh, again, Northern Florida's top prospects. So I'll give you the first crack. If you're the Gabby Urrutia top five, doesn't have, doesn't even have to go five to one. It can just be five best. Who do you want to lead off with? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, Jason Zandamala. Uh, or I, I think I said that wrong. I know Ivan's corrected me, but I have to roll with what's coming off my tongue. So Jason Zandamala, uh, the he's a center, a top two four seven center out of a Clearwater Academy International. Uh, I believe he won the offensive line uh, MVP honors and an invite to the Under Armour All American Game, which was very well deserved. I yes. think he cemented. I, I mean, everything that. Uh, you know, it's good when you go into these camps and, you know, a, a prospect you really like or you thought was good kind of, you know, confirms that. And uh, I think Jason Zandamala, uh, from a size standpoint, from a performance standpoint, athleticism, all that stuff, I think he checked every box. And I think you could see why there are plenty of programs who are fighting uh, to make sure he is their center of the class. Uh, Miami, definitely one of them trying to get him. So Jason Zandamala was one of the guys I definitely came away most impressed with. Yeah, he was a guy that was on my list as well. Looks like your prototypical center prospect. Yep. Um, 6'3", carries his weight well, moves well. Um, where does where does Miami stand for him, would you say? I, I think they're in there. You know, I think the crystal ball is on Florida State right now. He, he had a teammate, Lucas Simmons, uh, who signed with the Seminoles uh, last cycle. They're very close. And, you know, I mean, just talking to to, to Zandamala, uh, you know, it's obvious. I think that he has a lot of respect for Alex Atkins and, you know, what those guys are doing up there. So uh, I do think that, you know, Miami's going to have to fight for him, but he, he does, you know, speak very highly of Miami about, and about needing to get down here and, you know, wanting to give Miami a, a, a real look and, and stuff like that. So I do think right now it's, I, I think it would be fair to, you know, put him in that, you know, as a, you know, maybe categorize him as a Florida state lean, but I don't, I don't think that this recruitment's uh, close to being over. I think he's going to take some, some trips, you know, out of state. He, Oklahoma was the one school he mentioned that he wanted to get to, uh, but Miami's definitely, definitely going to fight for him because, uh, you know, had a, had a, had their center of the future in the last class and Connor Lou, he flips to Auburn. I think they feel like Zandamala is kind of a chance for them to make sure they get that position right for the foreseeable yeah. future after Matt Lee, uh, so I think uh, this is the guy that they really, really want. And again, I think, uh, you know, obviously the situation in Miami could be pretty attractive. For me, I will, for the next player, I'll I'll stay on the offensive line and I'm going to go young and I will go with Solomon Thomas out of yeah. Jacksonville Raids. I think, so Jason Zandamala won the MVP. I think it's fair to do that in terms of he's a 2024, go with the older guy. But I think in one-on-one, -on -one, Solomon was probably the best one. Would you push back on that? I thought Solomon Thomas was was awesome. I mean, I think he was. I thought he was. I thought he was great. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought him up because, uh, you know, I, I again, like he I, I, at tackle, he was definitely 
you know, I think the best tackle there. And again, he's a 2025. So I think that's, I definitely think that's saying something. So yeah, I mean, I think Solomon Thomas was one of the top performers, you know, of the camp overall and Great. was definitely really impressed by him. 2025 offensive tackles. So long ways to go in terms of recruiting looks the part, uh, you know, as an offensive tackle, I do think though, Florida state got in there early and they might be considered the team to beat at this early, early, early stage. Um, but again, long way to go, uh, in that recruitment, who would you highlight next? Yeah, let's go with, um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Xavier Mincy. And, uh, again, this was someone that I really wanted to get eyes on coming into the camp because, uh, you know, if you are on our, on our website and you hit that, that top targets tab, Xavier Mincy's name is going to pop up, uh, pretty quickly with just maybe a couple scrolls. So I definitely want you know, wanted to get eyes on him. He's a big, uh, defensive back six foot three, 190 pounds is what he's listed at. Uh, you know, definitely looked apart. I would say definitely, you know, more of a, of a safety. Uh, so I, I thought he was moving around well out there. I believe he came down with an interception during one-on-ones, which is, you know, obviously good to see in that setting, especially for the fact that he's, you know, probably not really a corner uh, for him to kind of stick a guy and come down with the ball, I think is a, is, is pretty impressive, especially at that size. And uh, he's another one, if we're just talking, you know, his recruitment, it does seem like uh, he plans on getting down to Miami here over the next few weeks. So uh, if he does make it down, I think that's a, that's definitely going to be something notable because he's for sure one of the top defensive defensive back guys on the board. I'll stay at defensive back too for my next guy. And cornerback uh, Kai Bates is intriguing to me from a body type perspective. I, I did have to dip uh, as the one-on-ones were starting to get rolling, uh, but he's a corner out of Orlando Edgewater, six foot one ish, 185, 190 pounds. So he carries his weight. Well, his film is very intriguing as well. Uh, he's he's kind of an off-coverage corner, I would say, uh, but he also makes plays at receiver. Someone told me, Gabby, I don't know if this is true, but we're going to say it on this podcast. Someone told me he had six interceptions during Orlando Edgewater's playoff run. So uh, made plays on the big stage. Um, I'm intrigued by him as a prospect. Yeah, no, uh, Kai Bates is is definitely someone that could ascend uh, his offer sheet, I think kind of backs that up. I mean, Alabama, Ohio State, amongst the schools that have kind of pulled the trigger here recently. So when those guys come calling, it's it's definitely it definitely means something. And David, I probably wouldn't push back on that six interceptions because uh, here on his athletic background on his profile, uh, Andrew Ivins wrote that uh, he had three interceptions and three pass breakups against Tampa Bay Tech, which is a respectable uh, – you know, a respectable program here in, in Florida in, in a playoff game. So again, uh, has a basketball background. That's really good. He's a converted wide receiver, really good. And I, I was stealing this from Andrew Ivins. So got a credit from him, but he thinks that uh, Kai Bates is this year's Jakeen Jackson, who's maybe, a, uh, you know, again, in that 88 range, I think he's at now, uh, but could eventually ascend into that top two, four, seven and have a lot of big time programs uh, coming after him. Uh, Miami's definitely, in the mix there as well. And uh, he does hope to again, get down to Miami this spring. He's had, he has a, he said he has a great relationship with, with coach die and that, you know, he was cool with uh, Kevin Steele too, before he left uh, to Alabama. So Miami uh, is in there, uh, did offer uh, in January, I believe. So definitely uh, Miami's in the mix there. 
and that's Kai with a C. Um, yeah. So I got two more guys. Who do you want to go with, though? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we can. I mean, I'll, I'll stick in with the defensive back since we're just there already. Uh, I'm going to go with Ricky Knight, the, th- uh, the third. Yeah, uh, he's good. I, yeah, he's not. He, he's out of Palm Beach, Benjamin, uh, a school that produced one of my favorite class of 2023 prospects at Micah Mays. Everyone was kind of late to the party there. Uh, he ends up signing with Wake Forest. I don't think Miami's trying to make that mistake two years in a row. And Ricky Knight uh, is a defensive back with some with some good with some good size. Uh, bad podcasting, but I have to look up his height weight now. Uh, but that, you know, they've really prioritized at this stage of the process. Um, six foot, 168 pounds. He came, he left with uh, the cornerback MVP honors. Uh, I thought that was very well deserved. I think in coverage, he definitely kind of, you know, Saw broke out. A pick. Yeah, you know, he definitely showed out in coverage. Again, I think he's another converted wide receiver too, or he was a two-way guy who's now yeah. playing full-time cornerback. It seems like Miami and Florida State, are kind of battling it out there. I think there's some other schools, Illinois, Wake Forest, who are in the mix as well. But I do think that this is one, this could end up being one of those, uh, you know, tight Florida State Miami battles uh, down the stretch. I will go with, for the my next guy, I will go with LJ McCray out of Daytona Mainland. Yeah, he's on uh, my list too. Okay, good. So we got some overlap. Just a big frame guy. Um, oh, yeah. 6'5", 255, long arms, um, kind of, I could see, now he's got a ways to go in this regard, but Daryl Jackson was not what Daryl Jackson is today uh, when he was, you know, coming out of his junior year at high school. I could see, I could see him filling out and growing into being a Daryl Jackson type of defensive lineman, just a long guy that uh, can corral things from a run defending standpoint um you know he's not twitched up if he was twitched up he's gonna he would be a top 10 player in the country um but he's a guy that can hold the point of attack and control things on the line of scrimmage especially as a run stopper so um big frame and impressive looking prospect out of daytona mainland yeah, I love. I mean, I think right when we kind of got out, got out of the car, David. I think he was one of the first kids that we saw. I had never seen him in person, but it's like one of those guys that makes you stop and goes and go, like, you know, who who in the world is that? Like, this kid's yeah. massive. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, passed the eye test. Again, I don't think like I would agree. Not super twitched up. Um, definitely, uh, you know, I think he still has Which a ways to go. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, honestly, I don't hate the, the I don't hate the Daryl Jackson comp either because. I mean, if you look at Daryl Jackson, some of Daryl Jackson's high school pictures, I would say McCray's probably even a little bit bigger than Daryl Jackson was. And Daryl Jackson filled into uh, being quite, you know, a, kind of freaky. Uh, so again, I think he has a, I think he has a plenty of room to grow and develop and, you know, get wider, get thicker. Uh, but he could end, I think, you know, down the line, he could end up being a, a pretty nice, uh, you know, interior type of defensive lineman if he, uh, you know, bulks up a little bit. And again, someone that, you know, could have that a little bit of that versatility too. So uh, yeah, LG McCray is definitely one of those guys that, that stood out. What are the early recruiting vibes on him? Yeah, no, I mean, again, Miami's one of those schools that, you know, they are pushing for him. He said that, uh, you know, if he didn't, if he wasn't coming and doing this camp this weekend, he was actually going to go down to Miami. So, you know, uh, you know, for, for this big junior day, uh, just decided to go to the camp and, you know, maybe not like stack a, a, a whole weekend, uh, you know, you know, for himself, and that that can definitely be a lot. 
Uh, so, you know, I, I knew my, he said he wants to get down to Miami. He mentioned Florida State as a school doing a really good job recruiting him. Uh, I think he mentioned Auburn as well as as another. Uh, so, you know, some of the, you know, a couple of the in-state schools, uh, you know, schools in the southeast, I, def- I definitely think are going to or are taking notice of, of McRae. And again, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a, a few more schools ended up, uh, you know, knocking down his door. I think he said that uh, he said that Mario Cristobal landed a chopper at his high school. Uh, this spring uh, to go see McRae and then his teammate Xavier Mincy, who, uh, you know, we talked right. about earlier. So uh, two guys, two dudes on that mainland defense uh, that Miami is going after. And then I think we each got one more guy. So you take it. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to roll with Micah Danzi, Makai Danzi, uh, kind of, you know, I, I mean, came in, you know, super intrigued by him. Uh, I mean, you see the 10, 6, 100 meter speed. He's a running back Miami offered. Uh, David, I think we can both agree that, you know, did it maybe did look a little bit awkward at times, uh, you know, definitely maybe not like that prototypical running back. But I think that, you know, he did kind of put that speed on display when he was kind of running with these linebackers. I mean, he definitely can turn on those jets. I think he has a, you know, kind of a ways to to go and develop. But I think, uh, you know, the traits that he does have, what he does do really, really well is uh, is run. And I think Miami has to get a lot faster um, you know, you obviously you add Christopher Johnson. Uh, if you're gonna maybe gonna go take a couple running backs, I think uh Micah Danzi or Makai Danzi is is someone who possesses those, you know, that one elite trait. And uh again, I think if you can kind of refine him a little bit, if you can kind of get him into your system and you know, teach him how to maybe be more of a natural ball carrier and all those types of things, uh I, I do think he has potential down the line to to be, to be a good one. And, you know, you look at the junior stuff, I mean, went for over 1800 yards for a uh, Florida state university high, I guess that's what you call it. Florida state high. Um, a, a team that I think they played for a state championship. And uh, again, he had pretty ridiculous numbers. So um, I, I, I think Micah Danzi has uh, some, some fun traits and it was a light running back uh, room, a, a light running back uh, group that was there performing. And, uh, you know, I do think Danzi, uh, you know, again, from a, from a Miami scope, is, uh, you know, I could see why they're rolling a dice on on someone like that. My last guy, I will go with a random. I don't know if he even has a profile at this point, but 2025 linebacker Elijah Melendez. That's your boy. He caught our eye, doing pretty well in coverage, looks the part. Definitely. Kind of, kind of a rocked up 6'1 and a half, 215 linebacker. Uh, I went and watched his huddle and it's also pretty good. He plays some running back for Osceola and which is uh, a really good program that like, you know, annually produces, you know, power five talent. And he makes plays at linebacker too. So I think he's just a guy to put out there. 2025 guy. Uh, that was an impressive looking linebacker. Two 2025s for you, David. That's, that's what we were dealing with out there. You know? <laughs> it was money can be the root of all evil. When you don't understand it, a couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. 
Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at torreslionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. All right. From a recruiting buzz standpoint, there was also uh, big timers that yep. was out the, at the camp that did not participate, but they were there and you had a chance to talk to them and let's not bury the lead. Jeremiah Smith was one of them. Yep. The number one receiver in the country uh, out of Shamadan Madonna high school. Tell us about the conversation you had with him. What did you learn from that conversation? Yeah, you know, it, it does seem like Jeremiah Smith is still doing his homework, uh, committed to Ohio State, but, you know, spent the weekend at Florida State. Uh, I, you know, I, I expect him to get down to Miami at some point this spring. Uh, you know, he's had some great initial conversations with Kevin Beard, uh, who we learned, David, and I know you had this, uh, this kind of feeling that Kevin Beard coached. Uh, on that South Florida Express squad that Geno Smith, his his older cousin, uh, was the quarterback of back in the day. And that's exactly uh, that's exactly right that, you know, Beard and Geno Smith do have that connection. And then uh, Shannon Dawson also coached Geno Smith. So uh, it seems like, uh, again, a couple guys on Miami staff that at least, uh, you know, the family in general is uh, uh, is familiar with. I think that's something that uh, Jeremiah is taking into account. And I do think that you know, he plans on giving Miami a real, a real look, you know, he said he expects the receivers to be better. He expects uh, the offense to be better and that, you know, he, uh, you know, Shannon Dawson's telling him to just, you know, come on down and that, you know, he thinks that he's gonna, you know, like what he sees uh, at Miami this year. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot different than, than what it was, uh, you know, in this, you know, forgettable 2022 season. So I, I do think Jeremiah Smith's gonna, you know, give the local program a look, man. I think that's all you can ask for at this stage of the process with a, with an uncommitted guy, I, I asked them, uh, you know, what's it going to take for Miami? Like we, what do you need to see from them? And really, I mean, as, as we, as expected, David, uh, you know, they, these guys got to win, these guys got to win on Saturdays. And I think if, uh, you know, he likes what he sees here in the spring and it, it leads to, you know, a promising on the field, uh, product. I, I do think that Jeremiah Smith, uh, you know, could give Miami, uh, you know, a seriously hard look, you know, wire to wire, you know, down to December when it's time to, to put pen to paper here in what, like 10 months. Yeah. And I think, you know, he's committed to Ohio state. So of course they're the leader, but like you're kind of saying, I do think he's looking around. He, he visited Florida state over the weekend. Right. And I do think FSU is in there as well. I think he's Definitely. looking at them. Uh, I think I would probably put Georgia 
in that same group as oh, well. Yeah. Um, so he's looking around and, and Miami's going to be one of those schools. And like you said, you know, to get a guy like Jeremiah Smith, you got to prove that uh, you're going to be willing to give him opportunities to make plays on the field. And Miami made some offensive staff changes um, and we'll see if those changes can uh, convince players like Jeremiah Smith to be a hurricane. How about other guy with any other interesting conversations you had? Cause Chance Robinson was there at the, right. the St. Thomas wide receiver, Jojo trader, Jeremiah Smith's teammate, anything else noteworthy? Yeah. I mean, we can, I mean, just to highlight chance Robinson, another receiver, and we know how you know important those outside receivers are this cycle chance Robinson, you know, said his conversations with Kevin Beard are, are different than every other college coach and said Roger Harriet kind of pulled him aside, uh, the head coach at St. Thomas Aquinas, where he plays, pulled him aside and, you know, kind of told him how great of a guy uh, Kevin Beard is. Uh, you know, he, Chance Robinson mentioned how Beard signed uh, Joshua Palmer, uh, you know, to te- got him to Tennessee when he was, uh, you know, there for one season before he went to Toledo. Uh, he got Sam Bruce out of St. Thomas Aquinas to uh, Miami. Uh, you know, back in the day and, you know, all that stuff means a lot to him. Coached he said he, under Harriet too at university school. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, I, I think that again, I think Kevin Beard has legit connections down there and, you know, Roger Harriet is definitely someone that you want uh, in your corner. And he definitely seems to have that, uh, that stamp of approval, which is obvious, which is always big, especially in a, in, in a, at a place like St. Thomas Aquinas and, and in Broward County. Um, and, uh, again, I, I, it seems like, uh, Chance Robinson also looked up, you know, what he did with those Toledo wide receivers. And I think he saw a lot of impressive things and, you know, the numbers that some of those guys put up in that Jason Candle offense. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, he said he was itching to get back to campus, itching to watch a practice, all those different types of things. So, uh, it does, if there's one prospect that I think, you know, I think that Kevin Beard higher, hire, maybe move the needle, uh, it, it might be Chance Robinson because he does seem to be as interested as I've ever heard him be uh, in Miami, which would, uh, you know, I think we both would agree would be a pretty good, good deal. Yeah. yeah. Any other recruiting buzz? It could be perform guys that perform that we didn't touch on. Anything else notable that you think is worth bringing to the podcast here? Yeah. I mean, Zaquan, I mean, you just go like quick hitter. You know, I think yeah. Zaquan Patterson, uh, you know, likes Lance Gidry. They've talked a few times. You know, I expect him to get back down to campus. Um, at some point, I think uh, maybe a running back name that we haven't talked about a lot, Stacy Gage. Uh, he's someone that spent a sophomore season at IMG Academy, had a fantastic year behind a really good offensive line. Junior season at Tampa Wharton, uh, had a great season there. He's at Fort Lauderdale. He's at St. Thomas Aquinas now. Also, uh, he says he has a great relationship with Tim Harris Jr. Uh, and uh, you know he, you know Miami's definitely a school that has a seat in the table at the table uh, in his recruitment. So I think that that's a uh, pretty pretty notable. Um, you know, I think the rest of the guys we kind of touched on again, Z- Jason Zandamala, we talked about that, uh, just Josiah trader, man, a few words. Uh, but again, he, I think he, you know, he has the stamp of approval for Kevin Beard as well, uh, plans to get down to campus as well. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, getting Jojo, go, getting Jojo trader back down to Miami, uh, of course would be a, a great next step in that recruitment, especially after he visited Florida state. So I think overall, you know, again, positive recruiting, News uh, coming from some of Miami's uh, top targets, uh, both at Junior Day and, uh, you know, coming out of Orlando. So, uh, again, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's you know, laying that foundation for another strong recruiting cycle. And, again, that's the way that we should anticipate it being under Mario Cristobal. All right. Good stuff, Gabby. We'll get out of here on that. Again, uh, spring football returns Tuesday and Thursday. 
terms of practices for the Miami Hurricanes. And I'm sure there will be prospects rolling through all week as well. So check out the website, InsideTheU.com, for the latest there. And uh, appreciate everyone listening as always. Appreciate our sponsors for their support. And until next time, take care. season of the original hit series mayor of kingstown my job is to create a balance avoid a war from executive producer taylor sheridan co-creator of yellowstone there's some new players in town and they brought the flag and antoine fuqua director of training day i know it's always been a war zone mike but this is next level the mayor is back in business are you warning me you're gonna find out mayor of kingstown new season streaming june 2nd exclusively on paramount plus